Welcome to the Leadership in Yoga podcast hosted by me, Shauna Kruger. And on this podcast, I'll be bringing you interviews with exceptional leaders in the yoga world alongside trainings and tips so you can experience true breakthroughs and help others do the same. Leadership in Yoga, welcome back into a very special episode. And today it's a special episode one because it's my first time recording an in-person interview and also because I have my teacher, my OG Ashtanga teacher, rocket teacher, Manuel Oria here from Puerto Rico. So Manuel, if you want to go ahead and say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, Shauna. Thank you for inviting me again. Round two. Let's Ra- go. Round two. Yeah. Very few people have been back on the podcast twice, but I've brought Manuel back on because I want us to talk even more about teaching yoga and also to get into different themes of creativity and just hear a little bit more from him specifically. But I also want to just uh, as a side note, if you didn't listen to the first episode, I want to introduce kind of how it is that I know Manuel and how it is that we met, because I think it also speaks to the level and the quality of the work that you do, really. And so the first time that we met, it was actually because I quit my job and flew across the country to Puerto Rico to do a 200-hour yoga teacher training. It was my second one. And I originally was introduced to you and your work because I was on vacation prior in Puerto Rico and somebody messaged me and was like, oh my gosh, you are really, really close to Manuel Ordia. You need to go take a class. And I actually didn't end up making it in for a class, which is, you know, kind of speaks to that. I was in a vacation mindset, but I got back home and started investigating your work. And I was at that time really looking for somebody to trust in to redo a 200 hour and really kick off my yoga career. And so I made that leap of faith and I have to say like the fact that you're listening right now to this podcast, um, I've also been teaching full time for over a year and I have not had a nine to five office job since I'm, Mm. I'm convinced I I made it over to the dark side. So that is how we met, Mm. but. You're super brave. (laughs) I am (laughs) brave. You took the leap of faith and I remember that afternoon, uh, you know, uh, I always like to talk in person, uh, in person or via phone with my the prospect students and I, I'm, you know, I opened that chance for people to reach out directly to me. And I think there's a value on, you know, knowing and real, like listening and feeling the energy of your, of whoever's going to be involved with you for a few months in a yoga training. And I love when people just call me, you know, yeah, <laughs> or show up to my class and, and uh, you did that very well. And I've, and I've seen your progress and, the fact that we're now in Seattle in a different country, just doing this and your podcast is, um, it's flourishing, you know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's, I'm super honored to be here. And Thank you. It, 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 me hace muy feliz, no? it gets yeah. me very happy to, to see you in this, on this side, you know? Thank you. So yeah, you're very brave. Muy valiente. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And it really is. And I hope that as a listener, even if you don't necessarily know us personally, that it comes through that, you know, I've learned so much from you, Manuel. I've, I've shared the story many times, but I wanted to learn how to assist people. And in my teacher training, I, it was so painful. I like could barely touch somebody without just bursting into this ridiculous laughter because I was so afraid and so shy. And um, yeah, I've learned so much in the technical side of things, but also just seeing somebody really doing the work that you want to do and having that person be 
um, I would say you're a lighthearted person, but at the same time, you bring a sort of intensity that is very magnetic. And so having somebody that will teach you about the Kriyas, but also meet with the students after class for a drink and talk about them and just talk about life is a, it's a special mixture for sure. So if you're tuning in today and you're a yoga teacher or you're thinking about being a yoga teacher, you're in the exact right interview. Even if you're neither of those things at this point, I encourage you to keep listening because everything that we talk about really applies to life um, off the mat as well. But just to kick it off in this idea of creativity and yoga, Manuel, do you think that teaching yoga is an art like is it an art form oh it's the best art form that exists yeah <laughs> it is um i mean you can you can make anything you do in life a, a piece of art if you do it with a sense of authenticity and if it comes from your heart and if it's something that you that you really like and you really enjoy doing it uh, i think it organically comes out as art Mm -hmm. So este, that has been, uh, it. I mean, it, it takes time to develop that sense of, you know, fluidity and, and, and naturality as, as you bla, share bla, what, what you, the tools you have and, and you develop uh, professionally, no, pero uh, uh, yeah, when, once you start understanding that it's just about being you and being in the room, bla, with your true colors, art just comes comes out naturally. And mm -hmm. that's how I see my, you know, my classes are, you know, it's my art. It's what I like to share. It it, it shares a piece of, of my heart. It shares a piece of, of who I am. Mm -hmm. it, uh, and I try to keep it open and fluid. So it keeps evolving to to what it needs to be evolved because art is also like that. It's, it's, it's organic. It changes. Mm -hmm. It constructs. It deconstructs. And... Um, yeah, I like to like to see myself in the future to what it ends up being, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it will I'm always excited. be a different expression, I feel like, as well. You know, what's true and authentic and aligned to you right now will definitely change. I was curious because a lot of times when we create art, and this is where I agree, I think that yoga and teaching is an art. But I also wonder, because so much we're taught, like, focus on the students, right, and seeing the students and serving them. So how do we strike kind of a balance between showing our art form with the world and, and teaching what's authentic to us and at the same time making it really about the students? Does that make sense? <sighs> see, let me see. I remember just just a disclaimer. I have to translate in my head because <laughs> I'm a Spanish speaker, you know, and and sometimes I get tilted in the matrix. Uh, so if I run on, then I'll start. Voy a empezar ahora el español, pues, you know, Spanglish, hey, Spanglish, you know. Y un saludo a mi hija, a mi a mis compañeros allá, este hispanohablante. Eh, les envío mucho amor. Este, what was the question again? The Sorry. question. <laughs> Now I'm lost in the Spanish too. No, no, no. The question is essentially, right, if we're trying to bring our art form out and we're we're really kind of like making this about presenting something that it, it comes almost like straight from mm -hmm. the soul, right? And I feel like that's a lot of times how we think about art. But at the same time, if teaching is also about the students and serving them, how do we strike a balance? Because it can't be just one or the other, or maybe it can be, but it's kind of a gray area. That's that's the question, right? How do we strike a balance between seeing it as an art and seeing it as an act of service? I mean, art is an act of service. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
uh, whenever you create something and and you want to hoard it, mm-hmm. then I don't think there's you know uh, that much artistic value in there. You have to let your creation, whatever you your you you consider your art, have the uh, it's life on its own. You know, mm-hmm. you, it's it's like having kids. You have mm-hmm. to see them grow and see them become yeah. Blah, tiny little adults and then adults and then you know then you have to watch them go away to college and then you see them becoming professionals and you know that's basically it so you have to gift it yeah, you have to pass it forward and I would say la mejor parte del yoga es cuando la pasas para adelante when you, when you mm-hmm. share it forward and I blah, I have seen the same from my teachers from, from my mentors it's a matter of you know gifting it and when that gifting you know becomes a you know part of what you do then that's where art really takes form and uh, and it, it's also at the same time a service a lot mm-hmm. of people have benefits from that and you don't you don't necessarily have to expect for other people to see it as you see it yeah as long as you enjoy it and you mm-hmm. consider it yourself art uh, I think it it has the most value I agree. And I think there is a great risk in sort of diluting what it is that feels super natural or what is really calling you to for what you want to do and teach in an attempt to make it make sense at first. It might not make sense um, right away. Definitely. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sí. uh, yeah, you just have to be patient and be uh aware enough on how it's being received mm-hmm. and and especially in, in a yoga class but just you and we talked briefly on this in the past podcast check it out that when you go over the the phase when you're starting to teach for example first you're worried about you mm-hmm. first you're worried about making a making a este, making a good work because you've trained hard you took yeah. your 200 hour uh, yoga class and a uh, yoga training and then you're excited to start teaching and you're worrying about not uh, can I curse yes <laughs> yes you're not you're not worrying about fucking up the sequence yeah. or you know or or you know or or hurting someone in the room blah, those mm-hmm. are those are natural blah, worries you have to keep in mind mm-hmm. as you teach but once you go over that and you're you develop a sense of uh, a sense of confidence este, i think you can start really seeing the students as they are and and you see how they receive the information and how can you make it a, a you know a <clears throat> a two-way stream of of knowledge well a two-way stream of mm-hmm. of education and and that's how you get better you know yeah. by by listening by accepting feedback by accepting este, subtle ways of them communicating to you they don't have to come to you at the end of the class it's like yo that class was good but what if you put this post and another post and yeah. that transition i like that transition i didn't like uh no, you have to be very receptive because sometimes body language, mm-hmm. the way they breathe, uh, the bo- the way the students developed as you see them coming back to your classes, mm-hmm. you know it's been realized it's it's been useful what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be very you know, uh, there's no formula, there's no specific way. You just have to develop your ears, your senses in a way. Absolutely. Who do you take feedback from and advice from? Do you take it from everybody, or are you? I'm sure you're a bit selective on it and. So who do you who do you uh, really take feedback from it, seriously? It depends on what kind of feedback you know, because mm-hmm. the, there is technical feedback from from a 
from a pro- professional standpoint, bala, and I will definitely take feedback from any colleague who comes to me. And um, sometimes you can take 100% of the feedback and sometimes you just have to como que, know what they're trying to say to you because yeah. not everyone uh, knows how to vocalize stuff mm-hmm. and share the, the, the whole thing. But you grab bits and pieces from everyone, colleagues. Uh, I like I love taking feedback from people who never comes to my yoga class. Mm. Like <laughs> why? Like people who you know who follow me or just my non yoga friends. Which in fact non yoga friends, yoga teachers out there, they're very important. Mm. Have them. Yes. Do non yoga stuff. <laughs> That's how you maintain yourself alive. Yes. Uh, I love receiving feedback from a non-yogic perspective because then it gives me a more a broader perspective on 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 what what things am I doing good, what things I'm not doing good, what am I lacking? Mm-hmm. Uh, so people who follow me on the Instagram, they they don't not everyone follows me for the yoga because uh, I know other people from other areas of my of my life, of yeah. course, friends and. Blah. Este, so I love taking feedback from those. I, I, that's kind of like my favorite. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's sí. a. I actually don't think I've heard that one before. Yeah. yeah. So I think that this gets us into this idea, right, of as something that I mentioned that I really appreciate about you is that at first when I started the teacher training, I was like, this is like the guru, you know, he's the <laughs> whatever. I, I wonder like if he is going to go out and grab a drink with us or if he like if he's a normal person and you completely are. And I think that staying grounded into that can make you can save you from getting kind of stuck in a rut of what people expect the yoga teacher to mm-hmm. be. Right. How would you say that we can because I think the tendency is when we first start teaching to fit in, right? It's like a, it's human nature. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. We want to be liked, but how do we kind of step out of that and, and stop getting all worried about our performance? And I know that the answer a lot of times is experience when I've asked, because this is one of the things that I'm definitely studying through this podcast, because everybody wants to know how to be more comfortable whether that's just speaking in front of a room or touching people in in the assists or whatever it is, everybody wants to be more comfortable and everybody says it takes time, which I agree. But then I have also taken classes with people who it's like their third time teaching and they have a gift for it Mm -hmm. or they have an understanding. So how, I mean, is there anything else we can do to, to work on that beyond just go teach five classes a week for the next three years and talk to me then. You know, it's a, it's a different story for everyone. Uh, we all come from different backgrounds, no? And, and some people, yeah, they just have natural talents. Uh, <clears throat> for sure, I didn't have, <laughs> I had to teach a lot. I had to do a lot of reps, you yeah. know, to, to, to get good at it and, and, and gain confidence. Because mm-hmm. in the end, what you need is confidence. Be so sure of who you are. And what uh, what's your gift and what you're sharing that you don't care about blah, fitting into the square blah, of uh, what a yoga teacher should be or mm-hmm. or there's a lot of you know a lot of uh, and remember yoga as we see it today is a very modern practice it's a very modern yeah. idea concept and there's a lot of uh, romanticizing I don't know if that's a word 
un, un romanticismo, ¿verdad? Uh -huh. De yeah. behind our profession, ¿verdad? That yes. we see that there's... Ooh. Nowadays, it's, a, it's an industry. It's a profession. It's a yeah. legit, you know, a legit thing to do and, and work and earn a living and do stuff, no? Uh, that is an ancient practice, yeah, that we have to honor and respect the, the lineage. Absolutely. And uh, it has been passed down as a parampara, as a, as a lineage of guru and disciple, guru and disciple. Yeah, we have to honor that idea mm -hmm. and somehow extrapolate that concept and apply it in a modern perspective is important yeah. uh, but the fact that we romanticize around the idea of guru and the standards of a yoga teacher and how you're supposed to be dressed mm -hmm. how your studio is supposed to be named uh, then once you have if you have that blurry if you're not there yet then you're you're gonna end up following that route and trying to belong which is fine in the beginning you know yeah and eventually you you learn through reps, a cantazo puro, no? What's the direct translation of that? Because I, I don't know, but it sounds a lot better in Spanish. Yeah, a cantazo puro is like you learn by getting the hits, you know, like yeah. uh, by, by understanding who you are along the way. Yeah. And then you can detach a little bit of uh, from the image of what a yoga teacher is. Yeah. And at still, at the same time, you end up maybe fitting more in the... In, <laughs> fitting more in the in the realm of what yoga teaching means so mm -hmm. it's a matter of detaching love uh, letting go a little bit yeah. which is a yoga term so i'm assuming right and i know your story a little bit so i've got i've got a little bit of insider knowledge but i know that you didn't start out teaching in the way that you're doing i hope everybody can see that mug by the way it's a it's a real winner really great <laughs> yeah it's perfect doing tadasana <laughs> Tadasana. Does he have samastiti feet though? I don't think. I don't know. Not even sure. <laughs> we'll let him. We'll let him pass for today. Um, but you didn't start out teaching in the way that you do now. So can you tell everybody about your first class specifically? Because if it's the one that I'm remembering, it's it's a great story. Okay. <laughs> so um, I took my yoga teacher training in 2014 in Puerto Rico with David Kyle at Ashtanga Yoga Puerto Rico. And part of the training, which which is the same program you you, yeah. you graduated from, uh, is to teach a private class at the end. <laughs> and uh, they uh, the program will suggest, and it's part of the assignments that you have to practice. You have to pick a friend or what we call a guinea pig, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you practice your class. You rehearse it in a way, the same way you would rehearse a play. Uh, you rehearse it, so by when you get to the end of the program, which the one I did was one month intensive, you're supposed to teach that, uh, you're supposed to teach a normal individual that the studio randomly picks, and they give you a student, they put it in front of you, it's all surprise, you don't know the name of the student, you know you don't know who it's going to be, and you have to show yourself with your, with all your tools and preparation and, and, and teach a yoga class. So, uh, I, I never did any of the rehearsal things. <laughs> Great. Great start. So, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Because uh, I, I, I guess I've always been, I've always been uh, in, on the introvert side, on the shy side. And I guess the circumstances didn't, didn't get me to, to, to practice my teaching in a way. Mm -hmm. So my very first class... Uh, uh, without rehearsal was this final test I had to do. And I still remember uh, my student, he's a, uh, 
a, a kite surfer instructor from Puerto Rico. He lives across the uh, he's across the street in the in, in Ocean Park, and I see him. I've seen him all the time, but then I see him on my yoga classes. Like, I kind of know you, but <laughs> yeah. I'm still nervous, you know. And I remember, este, you know, just in, from the very beginning of the class, me like, okay, let's do some asitihi. I have all my things set, and I was drenched in sweat. <laughs> And he was like, okay. <laughs> and as the class progressed, my sweating keeps getting worse. <laughs> and he's like fresh and new. <laughs> You're sweating uh, more so than the a, student. Yeah. Uh, it was a terrible class. Our One of our teachers, Wilda, which if... Uh, she's an amazing teacher. She, she was the one who was evaluating me in my class and... She recently got me the the evaluation pa uh, evaluation paper, so I have it at home. It's amazing, all the amazing feedback she gave me. It, I forgot poses, you know. Uh, it was a messy class, but but some somehow the other class it uh, got to a point that it, it went fluid and it went fine and I passed the test. <laughs> I'm here. Thank you know? goodness. Thank so goodness. we have your teachings today. <laughs> after that, uh. I graduated from the program, but they didn't start teaching right away because it was uh, it was one of those moments in life where well, uh, life pivots a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a June, June, and right after the training, I had a tour uh, with my with my previous band uh, and schedule. So we were gonna spend a month uh, touring the U.S., the East Coast, and um, I was not. I was not going to teach a class in all that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I came back from tour without money, it was, you know, a whole mess, <laughs> you know, because rock and roll, you know, it, it <laughs> the life of it, the artist. Like, yeah. It, uh, you know, you don't earn out that much money. So I came back uh, without chances to teach. And what I did is I started uh, uh, serving as an assistant in the studio. I started assistant. Uh, one of the main classes in the studio. Mm -hmm. And I did it to a point that Bella, este, I gained certain este, confianza with, with, with the teacher. And randomly one day, uh, Elizabeth, uh, the owner of the studio, she calls me. Uh, I was at home, like, uh, honestly quite depressed because I was, I was not, Bella, I, I wasn't being able to, to jumpstart what I've been putting too much effort mm -hmm. to it. So I was in that blockage uh, zone. And she called me and said like, hey Manu, este, are you open today uh, 2 p.m.? And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I have nothing to do. <laughs> I have no jobs. Este, este, Can you teach a class at El Departamento de, del Trabajo, some government agency in Puerto Rico, um, to it's a free uh, it's a free it's a volunteer class uh, so there's no pay but you can go there and you know and, and it's gonna be a good experience for you and I say like okay let's do it mm -hmm. so I come with my yoga mats mm -hmm. a few yoga mats my yoga clothes uh, a few instances <laughs> very prepared <laughs> super prepared and to teach I the yoga to mm -hmm. teach the yoga that I learned in my yoga teacher training mm -hmm. which is a sequence of movements which is a shtanga it's an ashtanga sequence based if people aren't the, familiar with ashtanga can mm -hmm. you just briefly explain important yeah this <laughs> is important part ashtanga of is a system of of postures that are linked in a in a very in a very cohesive way in which we include 
uh, when we should use the breath to link the movement in, in, a, in a method we call vinyasa. Mm -hmm. So it's a series of actions. You start doing a warm-up. We call the sun salutations. Mm -hmm. You do the series of fundamental standing postures, and then you go towards the floor. And the series I we I've been trained to do is a series based on the primary series of Ashtanga, which is a specific uh, introductory sequence. And we uh, narrow it down so we make it a little bit more accessible uh, than the classical sequence, so we can teach it to beginners. So I learned what's called what we call the modified primary series. So that's what I learned. That's what I went prepared for to teach that. And when I got into that room, there were chairs. <laughs> people were wearing jeans, uh, uh, you know, work it's environments. The jeans like for imagine me. like the office, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to teach a modified primary class here. So I had to reinvent myself on the spot, and mm -hmm. I started. You know, I, I, I remember saying it to everyone. Eh, say, let's take our shoes off. <laughs> let's start from there. You know, let's sit down on the floor, and they were like, yeah. With, with the their, jeans. With the jeans and the whole cloth and stuff. And I started, yeah. you know, talking about yoga. Yeah. Yeah, we did a, uh, I don't remember, remember, I was so nervous and sweating. We did a few pranayama exercise, breathing exercise. And then I got to demo sun salutations. And then I got them to demo sun salutations. They will be like, oh. Clapping. <laughs> clapping <laughs> and, you know, enjoying the fun. And so that was my, my first professional class. Yeah. And after that... Uh, my aunt hired me as a private mm -hmm. yoga instructor, este, Titilina, and <laughs> yeah, and she took a few classes with me. So I got to practice a little bit uh, with different populations until um, the day you know they called me to sub a class at the studio, and from there you know, yeah, it it picked up, it picked yeah. up, and I developed it. My classes were terrible in the beginning, but. <laughs> But what an epic, I mean, that's such an epic start, though. I actually love that it was like that with the people in jeans and stuff. I guess at least everybody was kind of on the same page, right? Was everybody in jeans or were there some people there with, like, they were ready to clothes, go? You know, at, uh, yeah. They were in office clothes. Uh, so, you know, and sometimes you go with a, with a class prepare in your head. Yeah. At, uh, and this is something as a yoga teacher you encounter a lot. Even though people is going to your yoga class and your yoga studio with a schedule, you come with a preparation of a class with your specific sequence, your specific script, no? Yeah. And then you get there and what you... <laughs> so you have to throw your script out and you have to reinvent yourself on the spot. And you get good at doing that by... by by repeating it, yeah. by doing it a lot. And that was the moment I said, like, okay, this is harder than, <laughs> than what I thought of. And I saw the challenge, and I like challenges. I like that edge. So mm -hmm. I went for it. Yeah, it's it's happened to me before, too, where I've had people for in corporate settings show up in jeans. But it's always the hardest when some people are, you know, have their yoga mat and they're ready to go 10 steps ahead of everybody. And then there's some people who are like, oh, what's a downward dog? Exactly. That's the <laughs> hardest. Um, but I like this idea of right away, right? You had the experience of needing to throw out your script, essentially, mm -hmm. and take a risk because you didn't have it planned and you just had to go with it which I, I specifically actually wanted to ask you about this idea of taking risk in a yoga class, not only with the poses that you teach, because obviously in Rocket, which we'll get into, um, I want to talk about inspiration versus intimidation, but 
there's other things that you say that are just jokes. I feel like you crack a lot of jokes during class and it works really, really well for you because you it's authentic to you and you're super confident in it. Like even, uh, let's see, just on Saturday morning, was it? On Saturday that I mm -hmm. took a class, yeah. I took a two hour a two hour intense rocket masterclass with Manuel. And I remember like one of the first things you were talking about with the Koreas, you were talking about, we're working on a Nolly and mm -hmm. you're like, this is so that you learn how you can poop properly. And everybody awesome. of course is like giggling <laughs> and like it, it broke the ice and it was so epic. But I could also see how if you went into a room of people that also those aren't really your students, right? Mm -hmm. And you just go in and like say something kind of like shy and people could look at you like, oh. like what, what is the, who's this guy? You know, so how do you get, I guess, how do you get to the confidence in the ability to just like crack the jokes and say things like that and know that it's going to land? Or maybe you don't know if it's going to land. I, mean, I don't know. See, uh, I've, I've thrown some jokes that don't land, you know. <laughs> And uh, but that joke I've been practicing it enough, uh, so the delivery has a lot. It has been developed, mm, okay. um, and it's because you know I lead I lead teacher trainings, and part of the teacher training is learning this um, Krija systems, which are yeah. basically a, a purification exercise. Mm -hmm. And uh, for, for me, uh, sorry for me. You know, deliver, delivering the, the truth uh, in an authentic way is just just so funny. And basically comedy is that. It's delivering truth in a in a way that it's reliable to 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 the individual and trying to see the the raw version of truth. Mm -hmm. And I I love comedy. It's one of my second uh, best art form. First is yoga class, second is comedy. What Third about your music? Yeah, I was gonna say your music. <laughs> see. I mean, there, that's my trio, my trio, no, at, uh, yeah. of art, yoga, music, comedy, uh, humor in general. No, I'm, I'm not. I don't consider myself a comedian. That's uh, hard work. No, at, um, my respect to those who do actually do it, do it, uh, do it. <laughs> um, but every every now and then, you know, when I'm in class, and I like to, I like for people to relate to the stuff that I'm teaching. And if mm -hmm. I get too cerebral, too esoterical, yeah. sometimes the information don't land. And mm -hmm. one of my tools is use humor and, and just putting, putting it as raw as it can get. Like, yeah. So the whole Kriya system and the whole primary series of Ashtanga is so you can learn how to put better. Basically. <laughs> and that's not the way I do it, but, but I do something with the belly and you do, <laughs> which what well, if you ever take a class with me you'll you'll, you'll see it. there's your promo like, but, uh, <laughs> take a class with Manu. i feel see, like there's a niche for that i'm sure lots of people would appreciate i don't know see if I, for, make I it mean, a class you're, fo you're folding into your belly a lot and putting heels in your belly to, to stimulate mechanically your you know your your digestive system Literally. if i see it like if i say it like that okay it's true it's nice it's academical but mm -hmm. if i say it with a touch of you know adding the word poop in it and adding those elements is people is like, oh, right. See? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's relatable. Everyone poops. Everyone goes yeah. to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> so just, uh, <laughs> just and that also uh, lightens the environment of the room. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you go to a, you go to a yoga class and every, the, everyone's so serious, especially in the Ashtanga circles. Totally. Which totally. again, 
if you like that perfect and mm -hmm. and and if you're on that zone perfect as well i respect it and I'll, i'll do it every now and then too but if i see how can i lighten the environment and <laughs> you know and make people not feel stressed before the yoga class begins mm -hmm. i will use everything in in in, in my But I am my toolkit to to make that happen, and sometimes a, a joke here and there, a humor here and there, it works. It does, and I think it's really key because we hear things a hundred times sometimes, and it's just in one ear and out the other. Especially mm -hmm. the phrases that are just kind of habitually repeated without sometimes even understanding of them. And actually, I love teaching in Spanish. Well, I, I don't love teaching in Spanish, but I love what happens to me when I teach in Spanish because everything that I say, I have to think about it really clearly. And I can't throw these automatic little phrases that I do in English. And so I think mm -hmm. it's a really good practice that awareness of what we're saying as teachers yeah. and, and kind of trimming that down. Yeah. But, yeah, um, language is another thing, you know. Uh, in Puerto Rico, we have a good mix of English and Spanish, so mm -hmm. I'll I'll go back and forth. Um, but whenever I'm traveling, I'm teaching abroad. Like right now, I just uh, spend a whole weekend teaching uh, an anatomy workshop here in Seattle. Uh, I have to practice because the the way I normally say stuff, uh, mm -hmm. it, it it it's not as easy. There's a como que there's a an intermediary step I have to add on. Yeah. So I have to learn new ways to say stuff, especially with the joke things. Yeah. <laughs> the humor things. It costs me a little more effort uh, for me to deliver them. Pero cuando estoy enseñando en casa en español es como que... Normal. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's normal. It's a, I'll, I'll go there and joke regard, uh, and based on the culture I live in. And, and that's the good Context. thing about, you know, mm -hmm. about traveling. You get to learn about... A lot of cultures yeah. and when i teach in mexico I, i will you know i will use all the resources i have from what i know about their culture to to get them to relate to the thing we're doing same goes with with the u.s same goes with in europe when i go to spain mm -hmm. it, uh, it's it's beautiful well and it shows that you're putting that effort into it and so i wanted to bring us back around to what you mentioned which is like that's my trio you know you said the mm -hmm. yoga the comedy and the music so I love I love that because I think that this is super key in how we can bring what is in our the rest of our daily life into the yoga room in a way that it makes people with purpose, right? It it opens people up. It's not like you're just doing it just to be like, "Hey, look at me, like I'm mm -hmm. I'm different" or whatever. It's because like you said, you're doing it in a way that allows people to actually hear what you're saying because it's kind of like you you break through. Uh you break through their habitual pattern because they're mm -hmm. so used to going into a yoga class and they're so used to hearing a even like a certain tone of voice oh, and certain voice. vocabulary. Everyone has a yoga voice. I, I had a vocabulary. I I had a yoga voice What's when your I yoga voice remember I was like hello welcome into class today we're going to be I taught I literally taught my <laughs> I know you know it I can tell I know it's so bad my yoga voice only comes in shavasana when oh. everyone's when everyone's kind of like in their yes. in their shavasana dreams yes. I'll be like speaking about the yoga sutras and, and I will put a I will lower my voice <laughs> and someone the other day in class is like You have a yoga voice. And I'm like, I do have a yoga voice. <laughs> We all have one. I feel like you have to fight it down a little bit at first, but then it just pops back up in the right moments, which is good. But 
you know, I'm also, I'm a big fan of, we were talking about Tony Robbins earlier and like what Tony Robbins does is so effective for people because he will, they will be talking to him, you know, crying or whatever. And they're so used to hearing comforting words and he will look at them in the eyes and be like, what the fuck did you just say? And he just breaks, you know, he breaks them out of this habitual pattern. And I think the comedy with you, it works really well. So could you just tell us a little bit about how your style developed? You know, how did these things that are a part of your life come into your teaching? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Como. That's I was speaking earlier about having non-yoga friends. Yeah. <laughs> and also having non-yoga influences mm-hmm. is important um, uh, for you to uh, learn how to extrapolate concepts from other methods and other areas. Uh, I, I mean... For example, I used to to play basketball when I was a little kid. Uh, Same. <laughs> but I stayed short and eventually, you know, <laughs> the shorter you are, you know, the the better you have to be. So I, I didn't make it. So when I was in college, I stopped doing, I stopped doing, basically I stopped doing sports. I mm-hmm. played basketball and volleyball in my, in my youth and my, ever since children to, to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, that said that those dynamics of being on a team or or following the the coach orders and learning plays and learning blah uh, uh, you know that environment that stays with you because you the the more years you spend doing that the more it stays within your 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 psyche you know your 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 mental dna in a way yeah Uh, so i'm not gonna neglect that you know, and when I'm in the yoga room, if I keep myself square, thinking like a yogi, thinking like a yogi, and not opening myself for those concepts to somehow resonate within the class, mm-hmm. uh, like concepts of basketball, of sports, yeah. without, of athleticism, if they resonate, they land right on point because there will be someone in the room is like, I know, I play basketball too, and <laughs> and the, you know they they. They, they they understand things better and remember you're teaching people you're not teaching yogis you're yeah. teaching normal human teaching beings people mm-hmm. uh, same goes with uh, for example I'm also a I'm also a musician I'm a, I'm, I'm a bass player primarily uh, and there's a lot of the rhythmical components of uh, of playing bass uh, being being the foundation of music like setting the mm. setting the groove of the song like yeah. songs that that you listen to them and your body starts doing this mm-hmm. that you don't know why is because there's a, a rhythm section mm-hmm. a rhythm section uh, yeah which is the basically the the percussion and the and the bass tones that move your body it's not even your ears it's not even the the pretty things you hear on a lyric on a vocalization or, or a guitar melody or a or a, or a piano for example voila. So there's a lot of those components of rhythmical movement that I input into my classes. Mm-hmm. And I've learned over time that it's not about the poses you teach in a class. It's about the how you time frame the class and how you keep the class moving. How yes. you keep the class moving. Yeah. And a lot about that is observing your student and learning ways to in, blah, increase the tempo, lower the tempo, play with rhythms in class. Uh, slower parts, mm-hmm. uh, faster parts, 
uh, parts that you need to take rest, parts that students need to listen to their own breath and chill, chill out, mm -hmm. and parts that you need to go fast for them to wake up, you know? And you can play with those aspects and, and establishing a, a, you know, a, a, away from for everyone in the room if, if it's in the context of a group yoga class mm -hmm. to resonate with a uh, communal rhythmic fashion and once you see the whole group moving at the same time it's like it's like you're an orchestra director it is beautiful. like a director yeah. it's beautiful and and the more you practice in a room uh, for example in puerto rico and in, in, in ashtanga yoga puerto rico which i've been teaching in that room for almost but, but, uh, 10 years now wow. i know that room i know that community and it is i just can do it with the back of my head so yeah it, it's easy for me to get into that groove and once you land into the groove mm -hmm. it's just beautiful people you see people's faces shining yes and they don't know why are they so happy you know it's big and i say it's not because the poses it's because they were in a flow state flow state uh, yeah. every time i teach in another room i have to somehow check on how to how to my to get myself inserted in that rhythmic aspect of the class mm -hmm. and it's does not a that doesn't come from training at being better in 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 in, in yoga asanas or or yoga mm -hmm. concepts mm -hmm. that comes from from music from my background in that zone so i i open myself to that idea of getting outs outsourcing in a way uh, from other areas other other methodologies to resonate within my class and and I, for me it's it's a beautiful process of uh, you know letting it unfold on its own yes that was such a beautiful way to say that by the way i like that idea of kind of catching a groove and i also like that the instrument that you play is the bass right because mm. it's like oh i'm not the lead <laughs> solo guitarist it's, right it's not the sexy one but it's the most sexy but <laughs> yeah but it's the most important the right most important. for for all of it and i think that's exactly why that's kind of the the flow state is the sneaky thing behind so many of the different things that we enjoy mm -hmm. really and being hiding able to plain sight. Yeah. hiding in plain sight and it's such a subtle thing that i feel like it is a little bit hard to train but even just having teachers who are aware of it, I feel like that's something that I even take notes on from you. And what I was, I was watching the way that you change pace during the sun salutations, right? And I never would have noticed those things the first couple of times I took a class because I'm just thinking about so many other things. Mm -hmm. But it's hiding in plain sight once you realize it, that people are really able to, and even myself, are able to work harder because we're socially motivated. And when you know that um, on top of the fact that you have other people there with you moving in sync and you have, you know that this is like a, there, there are peaks and valleys in the practice and mm -hmm. you know that you can work really hard and push yourself and then you can in, come back to your breath. It's not mm -hmm. like a hit workout for 60 minutes, right? And that's what I think makes the yoga incredibly um dynamic and and sort of intoxicating if you will I, absolutely mm -hmm. and i mean and you mentioned hit your uh, hit workouts yeah there's also a rhythmic aspect to that the, yeah the the fact that you uh, i mean I, and i know very little about this but there's a, a a moment of being engaged doing the reps of whatever exercise you're doing because mm -hmm. you have burpees or whatnot yeah uh, and there's a moment of rest where you manage your fatigue, and, and the way you come back after that, if you recover good from that fatigue and the way you come back and 
and and and take the second round and the third round but mm-hmm. that, it requires a rhythmic aspect so your heart stays resonant with your breath and mm-hmm. you can manage to do more and perform better uh, pero sí, uh, uh, in the context of a yoga class uh, you know once you como que you have the sequence on the back of your head. That's why it's important to know a, a sequence uh, going deep into a methodology. For me, it's Ashtanga, and for other people, you know, they, they do other vinyasa sequences mm-hmm. or do Bikram or, you know, you name it. There's there's a, there's a big buffet, and everyone picks whatever they, they like and resonates with them. But knowing in, in, in truth what, what the sequence offers, and once you know that, mm-hmm. you stop seeing postures, yeah. You start seeing moments of the practice. Mm-hmm. Moments that will, que se yo, and peak moments. Like, let's say when you're Ashtangis, when you're finishing your your standing series, that you're in Utkatasana, mm-hmm. water one, water two, that moment, it's a, it's a moment where you kind of like peak a little and you feel your heart rate elevated and you feel in a particular way. That moment where you get to Navasana and halfway through the primary series, mm-hmm. it, that's definitely a moment. But there's also the moments where you're after after the hump of the primary series, you're in Balakonasana, you feel more mm-hmm. more down. And, and once you start finding uh, yo, the, the beauty and the value in, in, find, in observing moments of the class, yeah, I think it becomes just a much more profound experience than rather just um, catching postures like Pokemons. You know? Totally. Um, it's good. And I think that that's been my journey because I thought I would never like a set sequence practice. And really Mm -hmm. the only reason I was open to it is because of all of the kind of synchronicities around what I was recommended, you know, to your teaching and the program. And then I was like, maybe I would like this Ashtanga thing, you know, but I have to tell you, I mean, the first full primary that I took I have never been so mentally, physically and emotionally exhausted (laughs) because I didn't know what was coming. You know, it was it was the first time I was being exposed to all of it. And I didn't have that sense of rhythm and I didn't understand where like the peaks would be or any of that kind of stuff. And so you end up kind of getting drugged through the sequence instead of going at it on the offensive, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and leaning into it. So I do think there's immense value in in a set sequence. Yeah. See, and discovering all the, the elements that will help you not feeling the way you feel, like I'm yeah. drained or tired or hungry after class. Yeah. Uh, I mean, most of the yoga philosophies are after yoga nushasana. Uh, you do. You say you have to, you kriya yoga, you have to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you're going to be super prepared. You, yeah. you do the practice and uh, that's how my training starts, basically. It's like, just take the class. I'm not explaining. Just take it. <laughs> I know. I and, you know, and, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, a, I, in my opinion, I mean, that's the best, uh, better mm-hmm. way to, to educate. It's to like experience. you do. Let's see what happened. Bela, you solve your, Bela, you, you solve your way through it. You survive. Bela, after the class. Yeah. Now let's talk about it. What, what were the things that, made you feel the way you feel after a class mm-hmm. why do you feel tired uh, why do you feel sore mm-hmm. now let's talk now let's unpack the information yeah that means you're ready the student is ready and now can now we can now we can talk that's the way i've i've, I've been taught it the nada vale you know having all the theory coming all prepared reading all the books and once you get to the room there's gonna be a 
make mm -hmm. uh, an interference. You just have to do and open yourself to to making mistakes, open yourself to the risks. ¿verdad? Yeah. Yeah. Este, claro, so, con, containing the risk in a way that, and that's another conversation, pero containing the risk and, and providing a safe environment is super important, but you have to allow certain, uh, certain ugliness yeah. and experimentation to the yeah. class. Do the poses wrong, como que. And I love, yeah, <laughs> and I really, I re that really resonates with me and, I know that that's not for everybody, but mm -hmm. it super resonates with me. That's something that I really appreciate. I remember like being in job interviews before and they'll ask me, tell me about a boss that you've had that you liked or tell me about a leader that you've been around that you like. And I like somebody who trusts me enough to jump into the deep end a little bit and trust me to say if I need help or if, you know, if it's too much. But I do like being pushed sort of to that level. Absolutely. I think that this kind of gets us into one of the other questions I really wanted to touch on, which is this idea of when you're a teacher, yes, there's moments of confusion and confusion takes time. I know that you even, <clears throat> you have a hat. I think it, you had it on in the last interview. Time, you didn't have it this time. You don't have it this time, but it says it ears. takes time. <laughs> and yes, it takes time. And at the same time, it takes action. And so how do we, I mean, everything, like everything in life, it's a total paradox and you need some of, you need some of both, but how do you, how do you navigate that gray area between the giving it time and having the patience to learn it well mm -hmm. and knowing when you are ready? Because that's another question that is just so frequent. I think even on this podcast, one of the top episodes is my episode on how to have the courage to teach your first class. So how do you know? How do you know when you're ready? <laughs> you just feel it uh, pero I, there are degrees of readiness no and mm. you're always going to be a little bit confused yeah and you you should be comfortable with a certain degree of confusion mm -hmm. that you can handle and you can still uh, you can still do your work no you can yeah. still do your job so uh, with okay you can know this amount yeah and teach a class that is uh, that is this good, right? Mm -hmm. Come on, if if you if you see it visually here, yeah. Now that we have visual, now that we have the visual, <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Uh, but if let's say you know this little, yes, ¿verdad? and you teach according to that little, you know, yeah, in a very authentic way, yeah, ¿verdad? Let's say. You only know how to teach sun salutations. Very mm -hmm. good. And the remaining of the sequence, you're kind of like, it's still, still a little gray. Yeah. Then why don't you just, you just teach the best sun salutations you have ever teach, you know? Yeah. Uh, with the little you know, do the best you can. And sometimes mm -hmm. people uh, wants to jump ahead, you know, and teach all the package, things mm -hmm. that you don't know, things that you're extremely gray and, mm -hmm. and or blurry in the understanding. Whatever you know, which is, We all know very little. Yo solo sé que no sé nada. Keep keep that in mind, no? Uh, That's, I only, I always, I only know that I don't know anything. Exactly. In, ing in English. Then, <laughs> you know, um, uh, it, that slowly increases. Well, the, the amount of information you have increases with time. It takes time. Yes. But you have to be able, you have to uh, let the state of tiny confusions help you adapt and help you, Uh, understand better the feedback from the students mm -hmm. and get better and get better and constantly evaluate yourself so you can keep getting, keep getting better and more profound. 
but always stick with with the little you know and mm -hmm. do the best you can and that's when you know you're ready I like that that way of looking at it because I think I fell into that trap as well you know I would see people who have dedicated years and years to finding excellence mm -hmm. in the teaching of a practice mm -hmm. and to want to immediately replicate that see and that's a big pressure and see? it's also impossible because mm. you're trying to have comfort around something that you've never experienced before absolutely no yeah. and, and and one more little thing about this uh, i learned that concept not in yoga actually mm. i learned that uh with my band um I, I'm a basically a, I'm a self-thought uh, musician from old time, mm -hmm. especially with the bass. I learned bass by accident. Uh, and um, I've been doing music with my best friends all my life. And now now I, I still have that blessing of, of doing that. And uh, I remember for the first recording we did two years ago, I was trying to complicate things too much on the bass, going beyond my level of skill. But like my mechanical mm -hmm. skill, my actual finger, and getting and mm -hmm. my level of understanding. And when I st when we started listening to the recording, it's like, yo, this is shitty. Mm. No silver. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember uh, my my bandmates, where which are my my gurus, my best teachers, my my two best friends, and they told me, como que, why don't you do something that is more simple, como que, dummy it down a little bit, and really put the groove in it. Yeah. And, I, and we started kind of like simplifying the bass lines to a way that I was accessible with my mechanics, accessible yeah. with my knowledge. Yeah. And it ended up being good. Yeah. I, I think so. I've, <laughs> I've heard your music. I'm, I'm waiting for it. I wish I could say See. I'll link it in the in the show See. notes one of these days. But <laughs> yeah, I've heard it and it's it's really fantastic. And I think that speaks a lot to, you know, I've taken lots of classes that every class, you know, you learn something at the end of the day, but mm -hmm. there is a tendency to want to do the most, you know, exactly. and to like no, pull no. all the tricks out of the bag and sometimes doing less simplifying and doing the sequence, you know, and just making like giving time, letting there be silence, all these things. Um, it See. doesn't have to be as packed as, as we think it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know that we're about out of time here, but I want to ask you one last question, Ooh. which is, <laughs> well, maybe two last questions, but <laughs> this one is just, um, in your opinion, you know, and, and I say this in your opinion, so please just what resonates with you and, and knowing that everybody likes something different, but what makes a great yoga teacher in your opinion? If I have to summarize it in one word, authenticity, mm. este, and, and just knowing uh, how to use that authenticity effectively not for your own not for not in service of your own ego but but to really you know yeah. to really uh, see the students as they are yeah that's a beautiful answer uh, yeah yeah that's pretty much yes. uh, it doesn't matter what how much handstands you do or my <laughs> just be simple yeah. Just be simple enough so you convey the information in a way that it's relatable, authentic, and not in service of 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 yourself, of feeding yeah. your, your ego. Yeah. No, that's a good answer. Um, so the very final question, you might remember it from last time. Maybe you have the same answer. Maybe you have a different one. But it's the billboard question I ask everybody. And so the idea of it is that if you had a billboard that was going to be seen by everybody in the world, what would you put on your billboard? It could be a phrase that you live by. It could be no words at all. It could be whatever you want for the billboard. What would you put? 
let your practice speak for itself. Mm. Yeah. Don't say, do. Don't say, do it. Yeah. And the thing you do will speak on itself. Oh, that's great. I really like that. I like the idea, too, of just letting the yoga speak for itself. I think that ties in really nice to what we were just talking about. But, well, thank you so much. Fue un placer, of course, like always, to have you here Encantado. talking about all of this. And where can people find you? Where can they practice with you? Do you want to plug anything you have going on coming up? Sí. So um, I'm based in Puerto Rico, in San Juan. I mostly teach Arashtanga Yoga Puerto Rico. Uh, I also teach abroad and travel, do trainings, immersions. I have a website, www.manueloria.com. Uh, best way to stay connected uh, with, you know, day-to-day -day stuff is through my Instagram. Uh, mm -hmm. That's where I use. Uh, and it's my handle is, you can put my name, Manueloria, and you'll find it. Yep. Always a zero, but... You'll find it. I'll link it. I'll link uh, it. And there you can find all, blah, all the information and all the links to sign up to blah, to whatever offering I'm I'm doing. Right. So beautiful. Hope to see you around. Yeah. Make sure and connect. <laughs> I always say this is the teacher training that I recommend when everybody asks. Um, that's where I will send you anyways. But if you made it all the way to the end of the episode, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Drop me the, uh, let's go with, uh, we always do an emoji at the end of the show. So send me the emoji of the Puerto Rican flag because of course, uh, at Shauna Crew on Instagram and I'll send you a virtual pat on the back. Ooh. High stakes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Shauna. Ciao. Gracias. Gracias. Adios.